Welcome to the Canine Cooperative Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Canine Cooperative Podcast. Woo! I am Sabrina. And I'm Jamie. And, and we have a special guest. Hey! It's Vicky! I'm Vicky. I work for uh, Jamie at Applause, and I'm another trainer. Yay! First so- ever guest. Woo! <laughs> And Tallulah's here too. Yeah, Tallulah had a growl. Tallulah's <laughs> <laughs> like, you people forgot about me. It should have been me. Woo! Oh, she's like, what? <laughs> anyway. You woke me up. Anyhow, that's not what we've come to talk about. No, tonight we are talking about the difference between obedience in the dog training world and the state of mind of the dog. It's a huge concept we talk a ton about with all of our clients a lot because most of the time people think if I take my dog to obedience cl- classes and they learn how to sit and down and place and come and heal and I just use those magic phrases, my dog will stop behaving like a dog. Right. So we come across a lot of people that, you know, let's just take reactivity I think that's a pretty big topic. Super common. Super common. And um, you hear like you hear you hear it just passing by people, right? Like I was just in the store today and there was a woman with her highly reactive dog, and she's just having a full-blown conversation and asking him to sit and down and do these things, and she's not getting anywhere. And the reason why is because you're addressing a body positioning and not a state of mind. Which is what's causing the reactivity in the first place. And the people that contact us for help with their dog, I can tell you that never once have I said, a good sit is going to take care of that. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, most of the dogs that we work with actually have pretty good obedience. Like, they can can follow commands. Yeah. But it doesn't do nothing. Right. For their headspace. So the, when we talk about obedience versus state of mind, it's really important to highlight the, the difference in the two because we do use a lot of obedience to influence state of mind and behavior change. But when we reference obedience versus state of mind, what we're actually referencing is obedience is a physical positioning that we want the dog to do that we've paired a sound that comes out of our face with. So like sit means butt on floor. Right? A sound that's come out of our right. face. Right, well that's what the dog thinks. They're like, look at the human barking this Came way. out of the mouth hole. Yeah. <laughs> Came out of their mouth hole, they want my butt to hit the floor. All right, so that's, that's obedience is a physical body positioning. So we say sit, we want the dog's butt on the floor, the dog puts their butt on the floor, we think we get compliance. But the thing that that all dogs struggle with is that physical compliance doesn't mean that their mind is in the right frame. So I think about it like this. When you tell somebody who's really frustrated and agitated, you have to go sit in that chair over there and be still, they could still want to punch you in the face. It doesn't change their emotional state. Right. They could still want to punch you in the face, even though they're still and sitting in the chair and being physically compliant to what you told them to do. They're going at the next opportunity I get, I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. So a lot of times we go, well, if we, if we just tell the dog to sit or we teach them to heal or we teach them to this, 
and make them physically comply in some manner, or we get them to physically comply in some manner, it'll change how they feel or how they react in a situation, which that isn't the case. So when we say state of mind, the other thing we mean, so obedience is a physical positioning that the dog is doing. State of mind is the filter, the lens of emotion that your dog views the world through. So like if they're nervous or if they're threatened or if they're defensive or if they're fearful or they're like overexcited, whatever that is, it's how they think and view the world around them in general. That's not about that specific situation. It's just all of the time. It's the lens in which they view the world around them. So the root cause of all behavior problems comes from your dog's state of mind. So even if you can get your dog to physically sit in an environment, if you're not addressing the lens or the view in which they world or view the world around them, you're not going to get behavior change. And that's where the hiccup and the disconnect comes for a lot of owners is that they can't seem to understand that if their dog knows sit, why are they blowing up at this dog down the block or barking at the Amazon guy or guarding the bone? Well, and what's important to note too is sometimes a dog not complying with commands actually helps with the way they emotionally feel about things. So I'm gonna go back to reactivity because it's a big one. And I know the common, the common cure for reactivity on leash is keep your dog in a heel. Mm-hmm. Keep them in a heel. And I can tell you that we don't train like that. We allow dogs to break heel in order to move away from things that they're afraid of or nervous about or things like that. And so actually making your dog follow through with a physical command can actually serve to make their state of mind worse. Yeah. Make them feel trapped. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So like in that situation, if you're, if you're like, all right, I'm just going to have my dog sit while this other dog passes by and all your dog really wants to do is get out of that situation. You're forcing your dog into a stationary position in an uncomfortable situation and making them stay in that position so that their frustration builds and you get an explosion out of that. And go ahead. Especially if you're correcting them from getting out of that sit. Yes. Because in your mind, you're thinking, I'm just correcting you for getting, for taking your butt off the ground. Meanwhile, you're just adding pressure on to their emotional state. Yeah, yeah. Pressure to a pressure, exactly. Pressure to a pressurized situation already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we when we work with dogs, we're always coming at it from. Yes, we use obedience to help and guide in these situations. We use that that communication of, of when I say these words, I want you to do these things. We use that communication, but we're always coming from it as a. Let's address how you think and feel about the situation first. Are you nervous? Are you scared? Are you overwhelmed? Are you overstimulated? Are you acting aggressively, defensively? What's going on in your brain? And then we're going to tailor our approach to how we handle that situation based on the dog's state of mind. So a lot of times, since dogs are associative learners, and you'll hear us talk about this a lot through, if you listen to our previous podcast, if you follow either us on social media, you'll see us talk about the association dogs have with people, with environments, with situations, all that kind of thing. Um, 
so if your dog is has an associated way of being around certain events so i to use reactivity right because mm-hmm. that's a common one i see a dog coming my owner jacks up on the leash holds me tight i can't get out of the situation i freak out at the dog and the other dog keeps passing by that's how i get the dog away from me okay so that's the associated behavior pattern that your dog has fallen into I feel this way, I do this behavior, I freak out, the end result is that the dog goes away or I get removed. Okay, you can apply that to anything. You can Works apply every time. Right, you can <laughs> apply that to resource guarding. I have this thing, I growl and snap, I get removed from the, the pressurized situation or the other being or other dog leaves. So the key when teaching obedience is to have these associations with different commands, right? So we don't teach place necessarily as a body positioning, like yes, your dog's on a cot or a bed, but you teach it more as an association with being relaxed. So now you can take the over aroused dog, you can take the um, nervous dog, the anxious Mm -hmm. dog, the aggressive dog, and you can give them a space to be and to associate with calm and and not feeling threatened yeah and that's how you start to help these dogs make better choices by creating obedience commands that actually go along with how they're feeling yeah so like what we're doing is like we always address the state of mind first because we want to get from that root cause and then we want to change the associated behavior pattern loop so instead of going we use the obedience to say i see you're feeling this way i see your state of mind is starting to go down this path don't go that way go this way turn left yeah turn left (laughs) go to place (laughs) and like just like place means go here and settle down and be calm heal doesn't mean like walk staunchly at my side it's just a word to say, I need your attention over here. Focus on me and follow me. Don't worry about that. Right. So like if we're passing a dog, but in the same token, your your responsibility is to your dog's state of mind. So what do I mean by that? If you're asking for your dog to heal past another dog, create the space that your dog wants to create. Mm-hmm. Don't force them straight to the dog that's coming on. Be a good steward for yeah. your dog in the in the the space that you're navigating together so it's not like you have to especially again like reactivity is something that's just so common i feel like that's Mm, something that everybody struggles with yeah and i feel like it's the one thing that this the whole conversation really like sums up because so many people just focus on the positioning and not the feeling of the dog and not working with their dog like you are the you're the guidance you're the yeah. navigation and right. if your dog's like hey man i'd like to move five feet over because i'm a little nervous yeah mm-hmm. grant your dog that ability to move five feet over so they're more comfortable and their head space is better and then what's going to happen is your dog's going to learn to trust you and be like yeah hey absolutely like this person is is agreeing with my yeah. feelings and and is providing me the movement or the space or, or whatever it is that I need in this moment in order to get by this successfully. And it's right. not about choking up on your dog and be like, you must stay in a heel. Right. It's yeah. about like, 
all right, let's move together. Yeah, let's get past this together. And to piggyback off of that, like, I also see this a lot where dogs snap at strangers when strangers go to pet them, right? You're like, oh, he's got to sit first. And then what do you mean I can't pet your dog? Right. Then you're, you put your dog in a sit position and your dog's like, I am not, this is not kosher. I do not want these strange people fondling me. Yep. Like, I don't need some strange person making out with me in the middle of Lowe's, in the middle of our walk. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And then you make your dog sit, but you're unaware of all of the signs that your dog's going, I'm uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable. And maybe they even try to get up and move away. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden somebody pets them and the dog goes, snap. And you're like, it came out of nowhere. Where did that come from? They were fine. That's also a podcast. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. It never comes out of nowhere. Meanwhile, notice that the description between the low situation and the reactivity Mm -hmm. situation is exactly the same. Absolutely. The dog tried to move away. You tried to control them into that sit. The pressure kept coming on. And then they exploded. Mm-hmm. It's the same feeling, just yeah. in a different context. And I think that's an important thing, too. I feel like everything that we say, it, honestly, guys, it's the same thing. It's it's every situation. It's the same situation. The environment just changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, oh, it, it definitely, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it makes sense. Like, you're on the street, or you're in Lowe's, or you're in a car, or anything where your dog is being kind of, like, cornered. Pressurized, yeah. yeah. So it's... The results are the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to resolve that is the same thing too, right? Yeah. Like we have to worry about how our dog feels and what we can do to make them feel more comfortable. Right. And that's what you use your obedience for. Mm-hmm. How can I utilize the behaviors and the skills that you know to help you make better choices? Yeah, absolutely. And feel better. And feel better. So like you can definitely, like, it shouldn't be obedience versus state of mind. There should be a marrying of the mm-hmm. two. But I think where the imbalance comes in is people hyper-focus on the obedience or put that first. But I think that's society. I think people yeah. just, right? It's the first I mean, conversation you have. It's the first thing I did. I was like, yeah. got my new puppy. Yeah. Let's go to Petco. Same you know, yeah. where I would never suggest anyone with a puppy to do obedience. Yeah. It's the last thing you need to do with a puppy. Yeah. There's so many more yeah. things. We've been getting so many puppy calls where people are, and I love, I love the owner's heart in that. They're like, I want to make sure they that want to my, do the right thing. Like, I want right. to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You have this eight, 10, 12 week old puppy. The first thing you should be doing for the first three, like two to four weeks is just relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just hang out with your puppy. Just get to know them personally. Create a bond, create a routine. Like, create some sort of relationship there, the obedience will come later. Like, you you don't need, honestly, like, you can YouTube that nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. teach your dog to sit. That's the YouTube easy YouTube that. That's the you easy stuff. You know what I mean? Stuff. Like, yep. that obedience is there. If, But the dogs that we see that come through that have done all of this training, that have done all of this work or whatever – nobody taught the dog how to manage their emotions and manage their mind. And then that's where that's stemming out of. I had a conversation with a client just the other day where they're like, we've been through three trainers and one trainer told me because they couldn't handle the dog that I should just euthanize it. Oh my God. It happens on a regular basis. I mean, it's astounding. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that I'm so sorry that you, someone told you that like, that's the, you know, and they're struggling with all of the same things like reactivity, stranger danger, all of that kind of stuff. And it's not because the dog's dumb or they didn't do training. It's because the training they went to told them to 
focus on the dog's physical positioning and do nothing for the mind. Yep. So like those dogs that go through like programs where they're told to place and they stand on the place and they're vibrating. Mm. They don't know how to settle down. Yep. So switching the narrative to go from let's look at your state of mind and then use our obedience to guide you into a better state of being that's where that's where the money happens that's where the sweet spot happens that's where the change really starts to happen because what you're doing is behavior replacement therapy you're going i see your state of mind shifting previously you would freak out now i'm going to guide you to guide you into a different state using this correlating obedience mm-hmm. command sit place down come heal whatever that situation is you're actively teaching the dog based on what they're feeling in the moment how they should physically respond and what they should do instead of what their instincts are telling them to do. And think about it, guys. You you got a dog to have a relationship with them. You didn't yeah. get a dog to be a drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. No. Right? We're not like, we didn't get a dog to do puppy push-ups. Right. And that's... Puppy that's, push-ups. That's the thing, right? Like, you... <sighs> Honestly, I used to think that was so cool. That's what, <laughs> really? That's what I I'm did. like, what useful skill is this? Like, look at what Lay my dog can do. I'm like, I can't even do that. Why do I, I need that? Yes, I can do some good puppy push-ups. Cleo's working really? out. I'm like, no. <laughs> but that's the people, and, and but that's what I hear, too, when I talk to clients. They're like, oh, my God, like, I feel like I'm a drill sergeant, and... Man, I feel like I run, like, one of the most mellow programs ever. Like, it's because it's not about that. No. It's about bonding with this this being that you invited into your life and, and sharing emotions, not just sharing body positioning. Like, you didn't get a robot. You got a dog to yeah. be your bestie. So now, like, they take your bestie's feelings also. into consideration. consideration and let's start working on that before we hyper-focus on, like... How many times a dog can fucking sit and down? Yeah. And I think also what what holds people back from that is the common misconception of what actually a good state of mind looks like. Absolutely. Because that's a huge that's a huge conversation too when people think, oh my dog's happy because they're panting. Yes. Well they're how smiling. How often could you snap off a picture of a very stressed out dog yeah. and post it up on social media and everyone will be and like, Oh, it's oh smiling. My God, it's so cute. When yep. as a trained professional, you're like, like that dog is stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The dog is so stressed. And then meanwhile you Because we anthropomorphize yeah. those feelings. Like that's a different right. podcast. It <laughs> is a different podcast. <laughs> but like same but on the flip side of that, how often do you post a picture of a dog fully relaxed laying yeah. in place and they're like, yes. Oh, they're so sad. So sad. Yep. You no, get that not. one random Snapchat of the dog down and their eyes looking up. Yep. Right? And it's like look at pitiful. Him. He's pitiful. So sad. So sad. Yep. And the dog's like I was sleeping and you walked over here to take my picture. Yeah. yeah. Please like, leave me alone. Like, face. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what you're getting. The dog isn't sad. The dog's like, I was fully asleep and you woke me up. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, it's so sad that dog has so to stay sorry. on that comfortable little hammock thing. And that's awful. I mean, listen, I swear to God, if somebody sent me to my bed... Yeah. On a regular... Right. I'd be like, yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> and if you wake me up... I'm going to bite you. I'm going to bite you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like that, well, anthropomorphizing dogs is another podcast. But It is. But like, we have to be careful of not putting, you know, our human emotions on oh, a dog. dog's face mm-hmm. because 
dogs don't have human faces right. or human facial expressions. And, but, stuck. and I think to that point, it comes from a lack of understanding about dogs' emotions, which comes back to... And body language. And body language, mm-hmm. yeah. When that's really every owner's education should exist first and foremost in body language. Because that's your dog's first language. That's your dog's organic communication. Obedience, you're just teaching the dog English. Yeah. Or whatever language you speak. Like, obedience, you're just teaching the dog human. That's it. But if you're going to have a clear communication, it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to hear, and I'm using air quotes, quote, unquote, hear your dog's communication by understanding what they're saying to you. So if you if you can't understand that, you're not going to have a window into their state of mind because you can't hear where they're coming from. You can't hear their narrative. You can't see their emotions because you're too busy projecting your own emotions onto the dog. So if you're walking down the street and your dog is like ears back, open mouth panting, pulling at the end of the leash, <laughs> And you're like, he loves his walk. I can guarantee you he does not. Yeah. He does not. He's stressed. He's over aroused. He's overstimulated. He just wants to go home or he just wants to do something else. He wants to do something other. He's pulling you to something. Like yes. you guys aren't taking yeah. a walk together. Yeah. You're basically an anchor yeah. at the end of a rope. Pissing yeah. off your dog. <laughs> off your dog. Yeah. It's like, I need to go faster. And, and he's you're gonna like, keep trying. oh, look how happy he is. But he's he's really not happy. And if we and listen, you don't have to take fifty million call, like courses in dog body language or psychology or anything like that. My my hack for my clients is turn your dog into a a five year old human. If you saw a five year old human behaving with an adult in this fashion, what would you think about this situation? Yeah. Would you think that was either well-behaved or the five-year-old was comfortable? Like, I had this conversation with a client where they would send their dogs to daycare, but they'd check in on the camera, and, I'm, and their dog struggled with reactivity mm-hmm. and being uncomfortable around other oh, dogs. Oh, the corner of the room. Right. Yeah. And they'd check in, and they'd be like, our dogs, like, they like daycare, but most of the day, they hang out with each other in the corner of the room away from the other dogs. Sometimes they'll get up and kind of wander around, and then they'll go back and sit in the corner. I said, wait a minute. If you plugged into a human daycare yeah. and saw all these kids playing on the playground, playing with blocks, and interacting with each other, and these two kids were sitting in the corner by themselves, hugging their knees. Yeah, there's a problem. You would not look at those two children and go, well, they're loving their life. You'd be like, whoa. Something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. So if we... if we Introvert be- or serial killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Either one. Only time will tell. Only right? time will tell. <laughs> but, like, that's the thing. If you if you really want to, like, you don't have to, like, read all these books or watch all these videos on canine body language and what each individual thing means. If you really want to understand where you're, like, take a step back, look at your dog and go, if I watched a five-year-old human behave this way, would I like that behavior? And that goes for, like, right, petting the dog in a sit. Yeah. Those kids that hide behind mom's mm-hmm. legs, are you yeah. going to reach out and touch that child? No, that child does not want to interact with you. Right? Yeah. And yeah. generally that's respected. I feel yeah. like, I don't know, I'm I not on the receiving so. end of that. You know that better. Yeah. <laughs> but th- that's, I mean, it's, it's so similar where you're putting a being in an uncomfortable situation, yet when a human does it, and it's funny because 
this whole conversation is about how we humanize dogs, but not really. No. Right? Like... We want to take away our human's emotions, but at the same time, we want to see how it would look like on a human. Yeah. 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 And so, like, if that kid is, like, going behind your legs, are you going to continue to move forward and make that child uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Why would you do the same thing to a dog? Right. Because right. they're literally backing away to be like, I'm making a better choice. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lunge and bite at you. Right. But if you come any closer, yeah, mm-hmm. I might need to. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like, well, even a client I was talking to today, she was like, um, she is a dog who feels that way about other people, mm-hmm. right? And she was talking about how she went into Sephora and she was asking about like uh, different lipsticks or lip liners or something. And, and it was an older woman who walked right up to her face and stuck her nail above her lip, like put no. it on her face. No. Yes. Put it on her face and it's like, you put the lip liner on like this. And oh like literally like ran her finger. On the other person's face? Yes. Like. The old, uh, the older lady put her finger right above <laughs> my client, like on her skin. I think I was like, not. And like drew <laughs> yeah. over. That this... might be a grandma thing too. Oh, oh honey, right now, you got lip liner all over your face. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's what my client said. She was like, I just kind of froze because I was so uncomfortable, but I didn't know what to do, and I didn't want to make this other woman uncomfortable because it was like she didn't think anything of it, but I didn't want her touching my face. And I said, oh, that's what your dog does the that's very first how, time. Yes. Yeah. I said, that's that repeat that. Dog, yeah, I said, that's yeah. how your dog feels. Now imagine if that woman went on to like, yep. like keep going. Keep going. You'd probably smack her away and be like, all right, enough yeah. is enough is enough. Yeah, right. Or imagine if you said to that woman, please stop doing that. Yeah. And yeah. she kept going. And she that's kept essentially going. That's exactly what the dog is saying. Right? You're right. Your dog Spot is saying, on, Vicky. please stop doing this. Yes. And, and is screaming yes, with their body language. Right. And they keep going. And yeah. that's when you get that explosion. And what's even worse is that, like, once your dog understands that that's what keeps them away, right? And once you've had enough experiences with grandma putting her finger <laughs> all over <laughs> your face. Right. God, that's dreadful. Which one did she go to? I don't want to go to. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You go to Ulta. You don't go to yeah. Sephora. You go to Ulta. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but it, it starts, again, associative learners. Shit, here she comes again. Right. She's What's the reaction going to be? Yeah. If right. Every time a human being comes up to you, every time you pass a dog, it, it, it starts to go on repeat. Mm-hmm. So then you just get ready for the fight yeah. before it even happens. Right. Yeah. And then you're down this road. And then that comes into, like, now this is the state of mind your dog carries with you. Mm-hmm. Every time a human approaches me, I'm going to be touched when I don't like it. So to avoid that situation, I'm just going to jump to what worked last time, which is I'm just going to bah, 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 yep. and go at this thing to get them out of my space because that's what worked last time. Because every single time a human comes up to me, I'm forced into the situation that I don't like. So now that colors your dog's worldview. They go, people... My state of mind. Tallulah just burped. <laughs> I really thought she was going to puke in my lap. No, it was all the cod that we fed her oh, before. Yeah. She had some tomatoes, some spinach, some cod. Oh, yeah, is don't, that a little too much? Don't put it out this way. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so like that's how your dog starts to build their state of mind. They're like this situation continually like makes me uncomfortable so I have to be on guard for this situation all the time and I have to be ready because this is what it means all the time so this becomes the running narrative in your dog's head and no amount of sit or stay is going is to going to that. change that 
So state of mind is what we always address first, but then once we identify your dog's state of mind, where they're coming from, then we start to channel like and go, I see you're feeling this way. I see you're thinking this way. I see you're obsessing this way. And then we guide them into a different mental state using the obedience command. Yep. So you feel this way, come over here and sit behind me. But then your responsibility is to your dog to protect their state of mind going, I understand that you're worried about this person touching you. I understand that you want to get space from this dog. So if you just come over here and sit down or come over here and walk with me, I will make sure you get what you need. And then that's how your dog starts to change their state of mind. They start to relax. They go, oh, mom's got this. Oh, dad's got this. And that's where the relationship forms. And that's where the relationship happens. They start to trust your judgment more than their own. And that's how their state of mind changes. They begin to relax because they don't have to be on guard all the time because the narrative has changed. The narrative now becomes my human is now listening to how I feel and they will guide me into a better feeling. Yep. And that's a great place to end this. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> wraps it up sufficiently. Put a little nice bow on it. Seriously. Yeah. We actually did this without too much rambling. I know. We stayed on ten. <laughs> we did. We, we did a good job. So I hope this helps you guys kind of understand, take a, take a like bird's eye view, if you will, of like your relationship with your dog, your dog's state of mind, how they view the world around them. And it helps you kind of like switch that narrative and start to have a better relationship because that's what this is all about. Yep. So important. So important. So this is... So important we made a podcast out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is us now saying good luck and signing off. <laughs> You guys all have a great day or evening or whenever you're whatever you're this. doing, yeah. and uh, we'll chat at you again soon. All right, goodbye. Bye, Bye. from Bye. us.